0: The choice is set before you now, living or dying, blessing or cursing. And now the time has come around to turn from your fighting and rest in His mercy Choose life that you might live for the life that He gives He gives you forever Choose life the way that is true from the one who chose you your father in heaven choose life and trust the lord with all your heart all of your soul His keeping Choose life That you might live For the life that He gives He gives you forever Choose life The way that is true From the one who chose Father in heaven, a choice is set before you now. Verse one, oh choice, it's set before you now, living or dying, blessing or curse. Come around To turn from your fighting And rest in His mercy Choose life Oh that you might live For the life that He gives He gives you forever Father in heaven
1: Choose life Amen, I believe Moses said it in the Bible Where he said, I give you a choice Choose the blessings or the cursings And I want to choose the blessings of God Amen How many want to be remembered in prayer tonight? Just going to bow our heads I'm just going to ask also that as we agree together for one another, I just want to remember my wife at home, she's suffering a little bit with a stomach ailment, so let's just remember her also, let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we're thankful tonight to come into the house of God. Thankful, Lord, that as we have been moved by a spirit to come here, to set aside this time, lord we believe that as something has moved us and caused our desire to be set on this place we believe that also in heaven that the very spirit of god is watching and seeing the hearts of everyone that's here and lord we believe that we have an appointment with you lord it's not just to hear brother ed or a man or to sing some songs but it's to have an encounter, to have a time with the king and to sit at his feet. I pray we could move beyond the natural, what we see, in the form, and the regularity. And now, Lord, as we've sung the songs of Zion, and now as we move into the word and the scripture, we're asking that your anointing would continue. Bless everyone here or under the sound of this. And Lord, you saw all the hands that were raised and all the needs. You're still the high priest that is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Oh Lord, would you go to every hand, to every need, both in the building and outside the building. Move, O oh Lord, you see what the enemy would do. But Lord, we have promises. The covenant of healing has always been there. And we're asking, Lord, for healing where it's needed. We're asking for salvation. We're asking for needs to be met, for deliverance. Lord, we're asking that your word will cast out the evil one and the demons. And that faith would be built up even now as we just begin to open the words. Bless us together. We commit ourselves to you. And we ask this as we open the word. Bless your, the scriptures we're about to read. The words to be said. The commentary. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1. Ezekiel, chapter 1. We'll just go directly to the word. We're going to pick this up. Um, Ezekiel, in, in, in meaning, is actually means to strengthen. And uh, we're, we're, going, we're still dealing with the time of the Babylonian captivity, and I want to make, approach this from another angle, and this is from the book of Ezekiel, who was brought into captivity, and while he was there, the Spirit of God moved him on him. And Ezekiel is, is actually just uh, an amazing book, if you take it from chapter 1 right through to the end, the chapters and the visions that Ezekiel sees, they, they speak not only of the time that he was there, but of the time to come, the time that we live in. So let's just read today, uh, we're, we'll just read this from Ezekiel chapter 1, we'll start in verse 1. And it came to pass in the thir- 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. And in the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of the king Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar. And the hand of the Lord was there upon him. He says now, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, and a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof the color of amber out of the midst of the fire and also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Now, I'm not going to read all of this. You can read some of this after. But from verses 6 to 9, he describes more about the wings and the, and the different characteristics of it. But let's pick it up in verse 10. And he would say, as for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, the four also had the face of an eagle. Now this is four anointings. Does this sound familiar? This, the, the, the anointings, it wasn't just Brother Branham preaching about these anointings. These were always in the Bible. The message is the Bible. So he says in verse 11, he says, they had their faces and their wings were stretched upward and two wings of every one were joined to one another, two covered their bodies, and they went every one straight forward, whither the spirit was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. And as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. I want to just read a little bit more, and then I'll let you have your seats. Verse 15. And now as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with this four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of beryl. And the four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And when they went, they turned, they, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. God bless his word, you may have your seats. I know that that may seem heavy, reading all of that. I'm going to try and give you some descriptive pictures to help you along with this. But I'm also going to read now if you keep your Bible open on verse 19. And the living creatures went, the wheels went by them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. Thither was their spirit to go, and the wheels lifted up over against them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. And when those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted over against them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. So it's speaking of movement. It's speaking of something that was going on. A wheel is a continuous moving thing. If you go to the book of Genesis, it says, And the voice of God walked through the garden. God is moving. I love the song Brother John sang. Even when it doesn't appear he's moving, he's moving. And if we could look in another dimension, there is much that is happening, whether we see it or not. He is moving. So he would say also now here, if we just pick this up in verse 25, And there was a voice from the firmament, that's the heavens, that was over these creatures and their heads when they stood and they let down their wings. And above the firmament was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. Upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. And I saw the color of amber, that's the color of the pillar of fire, as the appearance of fire round about it, From the appearance of his loins even upward, from his appearance of his loins even downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about it. And as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of the rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. That's a rainbow, a covenant. You can actually take these, and you can bring them right into the book of Revelations. They tie together, and when I saw it, Ezekiel says that this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God, and when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spoke. Now, I'm going to bring you some descriptive things on that here just um, in a moment. I want to just read, Brother Dan, you can go ahead and put the PowerPoint on at this point. I'll turn to it in a minute, but... I'd like to speak tonight on God-given power in Babylon, and I want to use as a subtitle the wheel in the middle of the wheel, but our subject is God-given power in Babylon. Now, Brother Branham would say this, um, and he would talk often about the resurrection at the time of the resurrection, and how when... um, Jesus came down to loose those that were in the Old Testament that, that were bound at that time because uh, the power of death and hell had not been taken. But Jesus came and he'd de- taken that power and he came to take the keys from Satan. And as he loosed everybody out, they all looked on the one that was doing this. and 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 he would... Brother Bannon would make it descriptive, and Daniel would say, because they all had seen this one in different manners and different forms. And Daniel would say, That's him. That's the stone that came down out of from heaven that came and smashed the image. That was the stone. And he said, The three Hebrew children would look and say, That's him. The fourth man in the middle of the fire. And Ezekiel would say, that's him. The wheel in the middle of the wheel. So all of these were characteristics of one being. I believe as this revelation that we're under unfolds, more and more we're going to see it's Christ in the center of everything. It's all him. And I'll tell you what, it's glorious to behold that we're a part of it. So he would say this, and Ezekiel would say, as he looked, and I, 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 he looked over the shoulder of the prophet, he said, that's him, the wheel in the middle of the wheel that I saw turning way up in the middle of the air. And each one saw him in the form that they had preached on him. Now, let's just go to the PowerPoint. I'm going to use this. And I, I, I'm trying to make this descriptive. I don't want to. I, I know I read quite a bit in Ezekiel chapter one, but I, 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 let's just take this this way now. I'm not seeing anything. It just. Okay. We'll let that come for a moment. If you take Ezekiel chapter one, and this is Ezekiel the prophet, and as he is speaking, now he's in captivity. But he is seeing something that the others did not see. And in chapter 1, all, all of this starts, just the first couple of verses tell him he's by the river with the captives. Now, that, that also ties into Psalms 137, how they made us sing the Lord's song in a strange land by the rivers of Babylon. Now this was Ezekiel that was one of them but they weren't alone because God was unfolding something great that they couldn't see. And Ezekiel catches this vision into another dimension and as he sees this vision, all of chapter one declares a supernatural that nobody can see. But Ezekiel is energized and tapped by it. Now if we take this and I, I will use this just for a moment. Much of the Old Testament in all of these books and there's there's books below it but this these go up to this point to the 70 years of exile. You could say that two-thirds of the Old Testament led to this point. And about one-third of the books are related to this time of exile and also restoration. Now, To me, I I didn't intend on going into this far, but the more I go and I just see there was something God was doing that was not just for that moment. But it was the Spirit of God declaring something that would come. And the manner in which he declares it, remember Brother Bannon would say, if you don't see Christ in every line in the Bible, go back and read it again. So I'm not just saying this to repeat history, but as we look at it, let's see Christ in the middle of it. So the time of... Let's let's back this up. So remember the books that are here, the Chronicles, the Lamentations. This is when Jeremiah was, was, was in this time frame. There was these prophets in the captivity, Daniel and Ezekiel. This is the post-exile. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more another time. Now... We know that they left for 70 years. So they journeyed from Israel. They went into Babylon for our captivity. And it was going to be 70 years. Now they, they, they had to leave. And they actually left in three different groups out of that. First they took the princes of the land. And among them was Daniel. Then they took another group after that. And then there was a third group after that. So we're just going to not expound on that. That's not the purpose today. But this was down at the river where they were, and this is where Ezekiel caught this vision. Now, if if I can just use this as a time frame, the everything goes backwards, so 607 years, or there's different dates, 605, some of them say, and here's the first deportation of the Jews, the second deportation, the third and final deportation, and and you could suggest that when did the 70 years begin and when did they end? It was under Babylonian exile, they came out under Persian rule, and and we'll get into that in a moment. So now, if this, this graph I thought was the best graph, and I wanted to use this but we see that at 607, this is when Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem. So then he took a group of the captives, and there was 70 years of captivity. Much of that was under the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, and then also his son Belshazzar. But then there was a king Cyrus, who was actually of the Medes and the Persians, and there was a king Darius. So there was four kings during the time of this 70-year period. And under that, there was the prophet of Jeremiah, who was part of this time. He was in the kingdom of Israel. There was Daniel, who was there the whole time and slightly beyond. And then there was Ezekiel. Now, all of this relates to something that God was expressing So I I, I use this, I hope that helps you a little bit to just catch the picture of where I am. Now Ezekiel says, I fell down and I heard the voice of one speaking. The end of all of the visions, the last part, I heard one speaking. That's just like John in the book of Revelations. And I turned to hear the voice. The voice that spoke to him. The voice that was there in the midst of the golden candlesticks. That voice is still here today. So Ezekiel, while he's down by the river, he sees this vision unfolding, and and this is just one rendering of it. It, I'm going to give you a few pictures just to show you. I don't know exactly how it was, but it was symbolic, and he would see in symbols, and God would speak in symbols. So he sees one that's above. He sees these anointings and these creatures. He also sees a roll coming out. We'll get to that in a moment. But Ezekiel would would see, and this is another picture, and he sees these creatures that are there and this wheel in the middle of the wheel, and he's seeing all of these things, and God is telling him this for a purpose. This is another picture that would would define it, and and maybe, you know, I'm I'm just using it descriptively. Uh, I'm going to use this one, because these are the creatures, but it related the power or the spirit of the creatures as to what the wheel was doing. And 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 so this this kind of shows it, and above all of that was the one that sat on the throne, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So this is the wheel in the middle of the wheel. There's a wheel, there's another one, but inside there's a wheel, there's these spokes, there's all of these things. Let me just read something to you that Brother Branham would say. He said, Ezekiel. When he saw him, he was a wheel in the middle of the wheel standing in the middle of the air. In other words, the whole creation was revolved around the hub in the wheel. Every spoke, every rim, everything else depended on the hub in the wheel. The wheel in the middle of the wheel, way in the middle of the air. He would also say Ezekiel saw him. He was that wheel in the middle of the wheel. He was the hub to the wheel where every spoke is fastened to. And Brother Manning would say, the big wheel ran by faith, but the little wheel turned by the power of the Lord. Now, I I hope that that just gives you a little bit of an indication. I want to just drop this in as well because this is the deportation of the the Jews in 605, but that was under King Nebuchadnezzar. And then somewhere in the time period of Daniel, that's when Belteshar came in. That's also when Cyrus came in. And then that's when Darius came in. So there was these kings, these four kings that were during that time of the 70-year period. I also this one isn't very clear. I and I'm I'm actually gonna get recreated. I don't need this so much for today. I, I just wanted to again I refer back to that. We can turn this off, Brother Dan. Thank you. That'll that'll do for today. Now this this whole time frame showing God dealing with Israel according to sin, but it also was Showing what God, foreshadowing what God was going to do. In other words, there was a punishment, but there was going to be a restoration. And he even prophesied through Jeremiah, you're going to go into the land, you're going to be punished for 70 years, but after I'll bring you out. And he would, and Jeremiah would declare the mercies of God, and he would declare, you know, I know the thoughts I think of you, they're good thoughts. So this was all by the order of God. Now, I, I want you to think, this was also the beginning of the Gentile dispensation, now, the Gentile kings, because Daniel saw four kings in a, in, a, in a dream that Nebuchadnezzar saw. And it was going to be under these four kings that would start with Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, would carry on to the Medes and the Persians, which would be the breastplate of silver. Then it would be the thigh of, 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 of brass, and then it would go right down to the end. So this would carry right to the end of the world. So God's people would always be under, a, under this Gentile kingdom or the effects of this kingdom forever after. But God was still going to be God in the middle of them. And they were only doing this to serve God's purpose. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes we think about Job and we think about what he was under. But did you know it wasn't Job's fault? It was God that brought Job to the attention of Satan. It was God that had a boast about Job. And it was God that told Satan, he says, have you considered my 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 servant Job. It wasn't Job that was picking a fight. It was God that was picking a fight with Satan to declare his glory. And it's the same in this day. All of these kingdoms, though Satan has the rule over them now. Yet it's God in the middle of all of them. And they can do nothing except God gives them power. And it will be to serve the purpose of God and the glory of God. And it will express him in a way Satan has no clue what's going on. Satan thought he was attacking Job, but little did he know God was declaring and doing something in Job that was going to bring out a character, that was going to bring out more of God. And it was actually, how many remember Brother Darren's service uh, when he spoke about Job and he he spoke about how the devil has tormentors? (laughs) Tormented devils. What was tormenting? The life of God that was in Job. What is tormenting the earth, the devil, today? It's there's a people on the earth that cannot be bought, cannot be sold, they are gods no matter what the devil throws at them. So, in this time, while they're in captivity, while they're, let me call it, the darkest hour that they'd ever known, like their temple was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. It looked like everything was gone. They were in exile. But God was going to bring forth a restoration. And under this anointing there was an anointing that went on the prophets. It went on Jeremiah. It went on Daniel. It went on Ezekiel. It went on Zechariah. It it went on, on, on Haggai. These were all prophets and their anointing always went to a restoration. And and some of these scriptures we use even today where we're at. So the Bible has many multiple meanings sometimes. So it's not just history, and I trust you don't see just like history. I want to read a quote out of recognizing your day and its message. Brother Branham would make this statement, and if, if you ever read that message... Brother Bram says, I fought all week, and the devil fought me, and I tried to study, and I fell asleep. I would condemn myself if I tried to study and fell asleep. You know, and, and he says, and I did this, or somebody interrupted me, and somebody did this, and then he says, but just this morning, God gave me a little scripture, and he dropped it in, and, and with that little thing, he preaches, recognizing your day in its message. <laughs> but he makes this statement. Israel, he's talking about Today is back in her promised land, she didn't know how she got back there. She was just automatically put back there. Why? National force put her into place. Now if you ever read the accounts of Israel, and it's tremendous to see how God moved them into place. How he allowed you know, it was under. They were under Turkish rule, and the Britons came, The British came in in 190. I think it was 19. 19- 09 or somewhere in that time it was right right nineteen oh six somewhere in that whole time frame they came in and they overtook it and the Turks were there and and, and it was Allenby who was the general uh for, for for England and he had a thought he says get every plane you can fly it over and some of them were hardly even airworthy and they flew over and as they flew over you know and 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 uh and they flew over and, and there was a scripture that those Muslims, uh, out, of, out of their religious books that they had, and it was about all of these things. And they heard that it was Allenby, but they understood it to be Allah. And so they just surrendered. <laughs> now it was supernatural. Nobody knew how it happened. But God did that. National force. You know, they'd ruled for centuries and centuries, but then this happened. And then it was God who raised up Hitler, and he persecuted the Jews and did this, and they had nowhere to go, and they went back to their homeland. But it was God using those forces, and a prophet sees through all of that, and he says, that was the tender hand of Jehovah. Now there's no way I see that. There's no way you see that. But it only is through a prophetic realm that we can see that. So brother Ram said, I'm going to say something. National force put Israel in her homeland. National force will put the church in the world council of churches. Now we're seeing great forces moving on the earth right now. No way did we ever think that a little virus would cause the whole earth, the economies of the earth, from countries that are at war with each other to be forced to the same general rule. No way we thought that, but there's a national force that's happening... And it's happening on the whole world. It's moving economics in a direction. It's moving politics in a direction. It's moving religion in a direction. But it's all happening. Now, I I don't have time to go through all of the quotations. But if you take some of the quotations and they relate to God-given power. Power was given. You read it in Revelations in different places. And power was given them to do such and such. And power was given them to do such and such. Who released that power? God released that power. Yeah. That wasn't just man that did it. God released that. Yeah. Now he's still in control. Yeah. So Brother Adam would say, National force put Israel in their homeland. National force will put the church in the world council of churches. And then he says this, but the power of God will put the people in the bride. So there's a force. There's a big wheel. But there's a little wheel. There's a hub that's driving all of that. We are not insignificant. This is all because God has a people whose names are on the Lamb's book of life. And we need to see that it's God that's moving all of these things. We are not just the off-scouring of the earth. We are the center of this whole thing. It's God that's doing it. And he said, the world forces this way, the world forces that way, but God forces upward. The Spirit of God, which is the Word of God, my Word is spirit and life, will put the bride in her place. No no government regulations are going to put us in our place. God will put us in our place. He says, she'll recognize her position in the Word. She's in Christ that will put her in her place. No national force will do it. National force did this to Israel, to the world, to the council of churches, but the power of God will raise the bride into glory. Now, Brother Branham would talk and he would say, four is the number of deliverance. Four is the number of deliverance. So You can take that actually right out of the book of Genesis when God speaks to Abraham. He says, your seed will sojourn in a strange land. But in the fourth generation, they will come out. You can can read it in, in Joel. When there was four messengers of death, but there was four messengers of life. You know, it's actually in nature. You, you, you read the story of the monarch butterfly. There are three generations that live, and they make a, they journey from their birthplace all the way up into Canada and different places all over the, all over North America. They start down in Mexico somewhere. And the four, the, those three generations that journey up, they live, the first generation six to eight weeks, the next six to eight weeks, the next six to eight weeks. But the fourth generation lives eight months. And it journeys all the way back that three other journey, three other generations did. Now, who did that? That's God in nature. That same God is in the Bible. He is no different. The fourth generation. Read what Brother Adam talks about. Every generation must have their revival. So within a framework of a message, there's generation one, two, three, four. But the fourth generation must inherit the promises. So Daniel, when he lived, he lived under the time of four kings under 70 years. Does that sound familiar? The Gentiles, when they live, they live under four anointings under seven church ages. Now, Daniel, he had, he had four kings. Nebuchadnezzar, Balthazar, Cyrus, and Darius. Four kings. Now, he also had a vision of four kingdoms. And these four kingdoms, head of gold, all the way down this image, right to the end... And, and if you ever have a chance to go through the 70 weeks of Daniel, 70 weeks of years, right to the end. There's 69 and a half weeks have been fulfilled. There's a half week left. That will be in the tribulation period. Three and a half years. But that 70 weeks of years, four kingdoms. Now, Ezekiel, he sees... Four anointings. Now remember, one, two, three, four is deliverance. Now I want to just go back for a moment. Let's just take this to 2 Chronicles 36. Are you with me? It's It's good to look at the Bible. Sometimes we read the Old Testament. It's not easy to read the book of Leviticus. Sometimes sacrifice this, sacrifice that. But if God brings you back into it and you see things and and you know what it does? It, it stabilizes you. You're not just leaning on quotes of the prophet that he said here because many things that are said, you know, you could take this way, you could take that way, you know, but I tell you what, when you see it dovetail with the Bible and overlap and you see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is God. <laughs> So under 2nd Chronicles this is now verse chapter 36 verse 15 This is the last book that dictates the history going up to the time of captivity. So verse 15, And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending them, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his wrath, his words misused his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord rose up against his people till there was no remedy. Now, I, I could read all of this to the end, but this is a summation at that the chronicles are being written. So let's just drop down to verse 20. And them that had escaped from the sword carried away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. Now, verse 21. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept the Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. So what actually happened here? Israel, in a 490-year period before that, they did not follow God's word where the, the land was to rest one year in seven and the land was to have a Sabbath. They didn't follow God's word. And God said, okay. I'm going to give the land 70 years of rest because one in seven for the 490 while you're in captivity. Listen, don't think that God you can bypass God's word. The, the, cogs of we, the wheels of co, uh, and the cogs that drive them may move very slowly but God keeps his word. Sur- do that search in the message one time. God keeps his word. You'll see it all over the place. It was God that kept his word when Amalek did not give the children of Israel. It was God that kept his word about Balaam. You know how he was a, f- a prophet with a false anointing. He was not a true word prophet. And you see the scripture, how he died in battle. It was God that saw Hezekiah and how he brought the, the princes from another land and showed them the secret things. And God says, you showed them all of this? The one day these things are going to be carried out. God keeps his word. It was God that kept his word to H- regarding Haman. Because Saul was given the command to slay, I think it's the Agagites, of whom Haman was a part. But that king, he did not slay, and there was a a continuation of which was Haman. But God did not let Haman go, and it was God that destroyed them. And that's actually in a further part of this whole study, not today. (laughs) God keeps his word. Brother Bannon would say, the cogs move slow. It seems like it's a million miles away sometimes, but she's grinding right up there all the time, and one of these days, it'll be here. God's word must every time be fulfilled. The cogs of God's prophecy grind slow, but if you do wrong, you think you're getting by, just remember, young man or woman, it's going to grind right up to your door one of these days. You'll wonder when and how. It'll be there. You'll reap what you sow every time. Now, what's the only way to stop that? Repentance. Repentance. God spoke it. My word is settled forever in heaven. When God says anything, well, it's got to be, he says. Now, it's significant now if we just go back into here. The 10 years, now just take verse 22 of of 2 Chronicles 36, and it says now, this is really interesting, it says, in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. What word is that? The one that was in verse 21, the land would keep their 70 years. But it wasn't just the mouth of Jeremiah. We'll come to that in a minute. And he says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Now, here was Nebuchadnezzar, who was a king. Here was Nebuchadnezzar, who, who, you know, he was God's servant, the Bible said in one place. And then it said in another place, God was going to punish him for what he did. He was just a tool in the hand of God. And Brother Bannon would come in this last day and say, like what kind of man would come in the time when the Cold War was on and say, don't fear Russia. You say, like where's he coming from? Heaven. The word came from heaven. I didn't say he came from heaven. He's on earth, but the word that came to him came from heaven. Don't fear Russia. Fear Romanism, not communism. Oh, where would we be without this? And, And so he says here, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. And Cyrus, he doesn't even know why he did it. He says, hey, I-, I got a thought. Let's make a proclamation. And he says, let's write it in all the kingdoms. Let's put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia. All the kingdoms of the earth has the Lord God of heaven given me. Good recognition. You know, Cyrus, I mean, I think Nebuchadnezzar in one place when he was king, he says, you know, he, he recognized that God was doing this. And then he says, oh, look at all that I have accomplished. When he, when he left God out of the picture, God says, I'm warning you. Hey, this king who had the greatest kingdom lived seven years eating the grass of the field because God gave him the heart of an animal. And after seven years, he gets up and says, there's no God like God, our God. <laughs> Listen. You think the kings of this earth are in control? God's in control. And Nebuchadnezzar had a son, Balthazar, who didn't think it anything to get out the goblets that were in the temple of God and have a feast with them. And it was that hour that there was a writing on the wall. Okay, I don't have time to get into all that. You know the word, you know the scriptures. So he says, For he has charged me, look, he says, All the king, all the kingdoms of the earth, has the Lord God of heaven given me. Where is this power coming from? God gave it. And he says, and he hath charged me to build a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of his people? And the the Lord his God be with him and let him go up. Now, it's significant because that's chapter 22 and verse 23. The next book in the Bible is Ezra, chapter 1. And it actually says the same things. Chapter 1, almost a repeat of chapter 22, or chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 2, it's almost a repeat of verse 23. I'm not going to read it. But he says the same thing. Who is there among you? So it was God that opened that door. Do you remember in the Philadelphia church age? It says, it's God who opens the door and no man shuts. It's God who closes the door and no man shuts. So Ezra catches all of this, he sees all of this, but now I just want to go back to the book of Isaiah, because this was not, Isaiah lived about a hundred years before all of this ever happened. Remember, I think it was under Isaiah and under Ezekiel, I think Ezekiel, maybe he spoke about this, this prince of Tyrus, and he says, you were in Eden Well, it wasn't the prince that was Eden. The spirit that dominated him was the spirit that was in Eden. And it was Isaiah who saw what was behind Lucifer when he was up in heaven and how he desired all of these things. Prophets look in a realm that nobody looks in. So Isaiah chapter 45, if you, I didn't tell you probably which one it was, I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 45. So Ezekiel was a hundred some years before Jeremiah or anybody came on the scene. So out of the middle of all of this, go back to chapter 44 in a minute. Chapter 44, verse 28. And, and you know, the prophet's just doing these things and, and, and all of these things. And, and just, let's just go back to verse Chapter 44, verse 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrates the tokens of the liars, makes diviners mad, turns wise men backward, and makes their knowledge foolish. I'll tell you what, where's the guy who came up one day and said the earth is flat? I'll tell you what, where is his scientific research? And how many people go back to it? Not a lot of people go back to it. God makes it foolish. Okay? She says now, verse 26, that confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers that saith to Judah, to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabit. To the cities of Judah, you shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof. That saith to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up to the, up thy rivers. And now he says this, that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure. You know, everybody's saying, Jeremiah, who's Cyrus? What are you talking about? Uh, I don't know. The Lord just anointed me to speak this. And shall perform my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. When did all of this start? It started when in the middle of the 70, or the end of the 70 years, Cyrus comes up and he gets his inspiration. Zerubbabel, go and lay the foundation of the temple. Where did it start? It was in the mind of God all along. It was there in the prophet Isaiah. God knew it would happen. Drop into verse 45. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee, and I will make the crooked places straight. I will break into pieces the gates of brass, and will cut asunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Now, I could go right back to Psalms 105. In Psalms 105, God says he's with his people. He says, I have reproved kings for your sake. We put that to Abraham. We put it up. But that same God was in Cyrus. That same God is in the earth today. And I will say this. The wheel in the middle of the wheel is turning all these kingdoms. Whether they know it or not. Now you go back into Babylonian history. Read all the accounts of history. You read how they talk about Nebuchadnezzar. He had these goals. He was going to accomplish this. He was going to do this. He was going to do this. And all of a sudden, in the middle of all of it, he's gone and Balthazar comes on the scene. And Balthazar had all these plans. This kingdom was going to go on forever. But God determined there's a head of gold and there's going to be the Babylonians, but now the Medes and the Persians are going to come. That wasn't them that decided it. It was God that decided it. Go with me to Revelations chapter seven. Revelation seven. I don't know if I gave you this, brother Dan, but let's just, just go there. Revelation seven verse one. Now, Revelation seven is a unique portion of Scripture. If you, if, you, if you read in, in Revelations, the first three chapters, the church ages, verse 4 and 5, is the scene in heaven. Chapter 6 is the first six seals. And then there's chapter 7, which is just there before the seventh seal. And it says this in verse 1. And after these things I saw the four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. How many anointings did Ezekiel see? Four. Four holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. So these angels were given. They were loosed to go and hurt the sea. But something stopped them. Why did it stop them? It says, hold on a second. I know you're given this power. I know you're there for a reason. I know you can do all of these things. But I'm stopping you. Why am I stopping you? Verse 3. Saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in our foreheads. Hold it. God had an elect on the earth. You can't destroy the earth. There's my people here. You can't do it yet because I'm the Lord. I know my own and I will lose none of them. And I will say this, there will not one hair. Come, there will not anything come upon the God's people that God has not permitted. He's in control. There's powers given in Babylon, but there's also a power given to a people who are the wheel in the middle of the wheel. Brother Harold, I could take this from a service you spoke on God's restraining force. And Lord willing, I'm going in that channel a little bit for Sunday. But there's a people on the earth that are not subject to all these kingdoms. In fact, as they turn, these kingdoms will turn. Now, remember, four is deliverance, and it was under the fourth king uh, that there was a deliverance. There was four anointings. Now, in the time of Israel, they didn't get completely delivered, and they won't until the time of the end, but they were brought back into their homeland. The bride will also be brought into her homeland, and the pressure will get so great That it will force them in one direction. (laughs) It's actually what God, and it's not going to be because the world's forcing, but it's going to be because there's a cry in their heart that says, even so, come Lord Jesus, come. That's what's driving us today. So it says, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees. And if you actually read, it it talks about the 12, 12... The number of them are sealed, 144,000. The 12 tribes out of 12,000, everyone. Verse 9, it also has a vision of the Gentiles that are to be saved through the Great Tribulation. I'm not going to read all of this, but you take it. So this was part of what was holding it back. Now, Brother Branham would talk about this. He would talk about the First World War. He says... And, and if you actually read history's account of the First World War, the German army is going to do this. The Russian army is going to do this. Everybody had their agenda. They're going to do all of these things. If you read history, they all thought that they, they had all these plans and they had everything in the First World War. And out of, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, on November 11th, at the 11th hour, everything stops. And nobody knows how it stopped. And Brother Bannon would say this. He'd say, now, what was happening there? They were all shooting, etc. And God said, overshooting them. <laughs> he said, hold these wars. Don't let a total destruction or annihilation come until we've sealed 144,000 Jews. And he says, oh, The whole world was going to a war. He says, all of a sudden it stopped. I read the decline of World War War. No man knows to today why it stopped. Well, it all started when there was a Kaiser in in Austria. Somebody shot him. Somebody did this. And they were scared. And everybody suddenly made some quick moves and peace. And they don't even know how it happened. I'll tell you how it happened. Read Revelation 7. God said, hold it back to the four winds. Oh, friends, it's all in order. It's all in time. We can't. You know what? We just have to walk with him. Amen. We have to just allow ourselves to walk with him. Okay. I, I, I could say much more about it, but better I would say it. It was stopped November 11th. Why? So that the 11th hour people could come in. What was it bringing in? The 11th hour people. And he says, God said, hold the four winds. Winds means war and strife until we get Israel and Palestine, until we do this, he goes on to say, the Holy Ghost had to go back there and seal them, hold the four winds. There's more we could say on it. Go with me to Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. Now, remember, in Matthew chapter 4, the devil comes before, Satan comes before Jesus, and he says, do you see all these kingdoms? He says, they're all under my control. And Jesus didn't argue with him. But when Pilate came to him in, in, in uh, John chapter 19, and just stay in Proverbs, but when Pilate came to him in John chapter 19, Pilate says, don't you know that I have power to crucify you or have power to release you? And this is Jesus' answer. You have no power at all against me except it were given you from above. Therefore, he that hath delivered to me to thee hath the greater sin. Now, the church or the bride will not go through the tribulation. That doesn't mean we won't be squeezed. And it will bring something out, but we will not go through the tribulation. And we need to keep that. That that alone ought to tell you, I'm going to come to church because I don't want to wait for a tribulation to be purified. I want to be purified now. You know, Brother Brandon would, would make, I could just make it personal, but he would say, Sometimes we wonder why there's no revival going on. Yeah. And he says, why we don't see enthusiasm with the people. And he, he says, maybe let's just look at it like this. Maybe there's a little boy here tonight or a little girl, maybe they're born in Seattle, Washington. The book holds their name. He came to redeem those whose name was on the book. Redeem means to come back from where they fell from. And in the human race, she was fallen. She can't accept it right now. She's too young. So the church will slug right along. (laughs) We scream and yell, Lord, you're going to do it. But it can't come till God's appointed time. Now, that doesn't mean we sit by idle, but we can't manufacture anything. God brings revival, God has everything in control. And He says, So she's too young, the church will slug right along. They will play along, they will have meetings, and so forth, till the last person is brought in. Then that book is closed, and there's no more added. Now, when that time is, we don't know, he says. But it'll be happening. So he says, have faith. You've got to have faith somewhere. Now, I, if you lean too heavy on that side, you're going to just relax. You know, oh, well, it's not going to happen until you know, God pushes me in. No. Can I give you the far extreme of the other side? I, I know we're just about done. Just hang on. He says, this is in a meeting in 1962, a greater of them is always here. Now, this is chilling to think about this. I gave you one side, but we have a part on the other side. He says, I saw a woman last night. I believe she crossed the line between grace and mercy. I seen her standing before me. I've been praying for her every night. And she was standing there, blackness going around and around her. No matter what she tries to do, it's over. This morning, a little after daylight, I saw her. And I'd been praying and I thought, how could that woman think those kind of thoughts? Now, that's also true. Okay? So it behooves us. He said, I can't help it and I think, you mustn't do that. You can't baby anything. Now, it's a serious time. Friends, don't think, listen, Hattie Wright could not make her boys bride, but she could pray for their salvation. And, and even when the woman came to Jesus, grant that my sons would sit one in there. You can't make anybody bride, but you can pray that they'll be redeemed. I, I say this, if there's some, a tug in your heart, follow it. Okay, I, I, I got to wind my thoughts down. Psalms 21, verse 1. I just want to read this. Put that up for the Dan. I I didn't give it. Oh, I got to find it. Here we are. Proverbs. Sorry. Proverbs 21. I'm sorry. There it is. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As rivers of water, he turns it whosoever he will. Now, I'm not going to have time to read Isaiah 37, but it was Hezekiah that came up, and Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came, and he did, he did this and this, and, and God, and, and Hezekiah came and laid the letter before God and said, God, look what he said. And God says, I'm going to put a hook through his nose and take him back to his land, and he'll be killed there. Now, is the king in God's hand? Absolutely. Okay. So God can turn a king like Cyrus, but he can also turn another king. Okay? There was a, a woman in the Bible who actually was during the time of restoration, and her name was Esther, and she also turned the king's heart. And there was a woman also in the time of the kings of Israel whose name was Jezebel, and she also turned the king's heart. So... You can turn the king's heart by how you enter into prayer. Let's have the musicians come, and I'm going to have you turn to Isaiah chapter 40. I want to read just a couple of scriptures from here. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10. He says this, "'Behold, the Lord your God shall come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule before him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd.'" He'll gather His lambs with His arm and carry them in His bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand? Who has meted out the heaven? So when when God asks a question, there's an obvious answer often. Who has measured the waters? Who has measured out heaven? Who has weighed the mountains? Who has directed, verse 13, the Spirit of the Lord? Or who, being his counselor, has taught him? Verse 15, behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket to God. He's not looking. He, you know, we sometimes get scared. I wonder what the government's going to do next. Hold on a second. You have an audience with God. Amen. He's the great king. You don't have to lobby your member of parliament or write a letter to the prime minister. You just go straight to the king who's over all of this. Say, Lord, we're here. We're serving your purpose. Lord, look at what they're doing. Father, as long as we're here, I'm here to serve you. Amen. Drop down to verse 17. All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted to him less than nothing. And like vanity. Verse 21. Have you not known, have you not heard, has it not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It's he that sits upon the circle of the earth. The inhabitants are as grasshoppers. Verse 23. He makes the princes as nothing. He makes the judges of the earth as vanity. Verse 25. To whom then shall you liken me or shall I be your equal? Saith the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. O Jacob, verse 27, why do you say my way is hid from the Lord, my judgment? Have you not known the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? That's the God that we serve. Listen, we'll stop there. We'll, we'll pick some of this up as we move into Sunday. There's God-given powers in the earth, but there's one that's been given to a people. And I just say, you know, we we use the phrase, when the bride understands her position, I think we got to learn some things yet. I I say, Lord, help us to understand who we really are and who we really are before the throne of grace. There's even a believer in prayer before God and 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 Brother Harold, you'd use this example. The angels are on the throne of God, they're talking with God, and God says, Hold on a second, hold. There's there's my daughter down there, she's praying. I just want to hear. Her. <laughs> oh, who can move God? Who can who can direct him? Let's stand together. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by
0: my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord, this mountain shall This mountain shall be removed, this mountain shall be removed, by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Oh, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Oh, this mountain shall be removed. This mountain shall be removed. This mountain shall be removed. Spirit, Spirit says say.